Good morning. Today's reading is from Exodus 31, 12 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who, des- who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from, y- from their people. For six days' work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. And thanks, Ray, for reading. So we are nearing the end of our book, our journey through the book of Exodus. And I just want to remind you that as we have read and studied this story of God saving his people Israel, we're we're not going through this just to learn about Israel or or to learn facts about the Old Testament. We're learning it because it's a paradigm for, for our own walk with God. And so we can read these stories and learn about how to follow Jesus today. Um, now today, I believe God wants to speak into our lives through his word uh, into an experience that we all have, every one of us. As I talk to people in the church and people outside the church, I keep hearing things like this. Tell me if, well, don't tell me, but think about whether you've said any of these things lately. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed. I'm running on empty. I'm running ragged. Life's been crazy. I'm super busy. Maybe when... X fill-in-the-blank is over, life will settle down. Baseball season or vacations or work my work schedule. I got called in for overtime again. I'm not sleeping well. I feel totally burnt out. I'm doing too much. I'm worried about my work-life balance. Let's get together after life calms down. Right? I don't know how I'm going to fit everything in. Have you, you've, you've, you've probably said things like that this week, maybe even today. I see a few heads being shaken. There, there's a lot of retired folks in this room, and we bless the unbusyness that you have in life. <laughs> there's more in, when you retire, so I hear, yeah. Yeah, if you want to stay, uh, if you want to be restful, then don't quit your job, right? Well, it turns out Americans are the, uh, we do work more hours per worker than any other developed country in the world. Um, And so some of it is just the pace of our economy and of our society. But it's not just our jobs, right? Even when you retire, there's plenty of opportunity for exhaustion. It may be our kids' schedules or our volunteer commitments or our household chores or our doctor's appointments 
or our vacations, or taking care of a family member, being a caregiver. There's so many things that make us tired and that make us feel like even when we have time free and time to rest, it's hard to unplug and hard to, uh, hard to be relaxed. Why is that? Well, the Bible says that, that underneath life, underneath all the things we do, we have a soul-level need for rest that can only be met through the Lord. We can't, we can't meet that need through vacation or through watching TV or through going to the beach. It can only be met through knowing the God who gives rest. And, and the good news that I want to bring you today is that God gives rest. God wants to give you rest today. Right in the middle of the life you actually live. Okay, not just in some future uh, realm, but right now. And so I want to talk about how we can receive that rest. And we need to look at how God gave rest to Israel and then how he gives it to us today. Let's pause and pray for God's help. Lord, illuminate your word. Make what is uh, vague clear. Um, make what seems, uh, what seems old and worn out fresh and come alive to us. And give us hearts inclined to receive this word and to act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. How did God give rest to Israel? It was through the institution of the Sabbath day. Now, Sabbath, or the Hebrew word Shabbat, from which that comes, simply means stop. It's a day of stopping, ceasing, not doing anything. And you, I'm sure you know the, the, the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments is keep the Sabbath. It says in Exodus 20, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, the seventh day is a Sabbath, a stop day to the Lord. Sabbath was this time of ceasing. Now, the place where we read it here in Exodus 31 um, comes right after all of these instructions about the tabernacle. Re remember that? I'm glad we're through that. It was really interesting, but I'm glad we're through it. And so, one Bible scholar named Tim Mackey pointed out very astutely that the tabernacle was holy space set aside for God, where God's people could meet with him, right? The Sabbath was holy time. So what the tabernacle was to space, the Sabbath day is to time. And he said the Sabbath was a cathedral in time. This day of, of, uh, of uh, day to worship and rest and be renewed in the Lord. That's what the Sabbath was all about. So look with me at Exodus 31, verses 12 through 16. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Yikes. Those who do any work on that day must be cut off from their people. For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. Wow, twice. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. Now, right away, you probably, you know, these, the death penalty is a pretty big flag. Like, this is, this is important. Whatever's going on here, God means business. So the Sabbath is a gift, but it's also a mandatory gift. <laughs> it's not like you can take a day off if your chores are done and if you've gotten all the work you want to get done during the week, um, if you're not too busy. No, God says you must observe my Sabbaths, Sabbath days. And the reason it is so important and punishable by death to break it is because it says twice here, the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant, a sign of the covenant, which means this thing, this day, is meant to be an ongoing reminder of my relationship with you, of what God had done to save these people. Think about what he had done. He had rescued them from a life of ceaseless toil, under Pharaoh, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Their, their value was measured by how many bricks they could produce for Pharaoh. And so God broke the power of, of evil, of Pharaoh. He released them, set them free. He called them into a relationship with himself. And um, he says, look, look, your value is not what you produce, but but of my love for you. So he sets this rhythm of six days of working, one day of resting, six days of working, one day of resting. You see, God doesn't just have to get the people out of Egypt, but he has to get Egypt out of the people. So they've been slaves, and now he's teaching them how to rest, how to, uh, how to stop working, and just focus on God. But there's an even deeper reason for the Sabbath, that idea of it being the sign of their relationship with God. Exodus 17 says, uh, 31:17 says, "It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he, was ref he rested and was refreshed. So he, he connects it back to creation. Do you see that? He's saying rest is essential to something about God. After God finished his work of creation, he was satisfied. He said, it is good. Remember? It is very good. And on the seventh day, he rested. 
He enjoyed his creation, and that's the kind of rest and enjoyment and peace that God created Adam and Eve to enter into forever. The problem was they didn't want to stay there. You know, they, they disobeyed God, they rebelled, they were expelled from that place of rest, and in some ways the whole Bible is about God trying to get his people back into his rest. Because that restlessness that we all feel is because of sin. Sin sin is what makes us grasp for more and more. Sin is what makes us think our value depends on how much we can do. Sin is what makes us compete with other people for resources. Sin is what um, makes us unsatisfied with anything we we can produce. See, our broken relationship with God is really the source of our restlessness. So not only is God trying to teach Israel, okay, you're no longer slaves. I love you not for what you do, but for, for who you are and my love in you. But also, he's trying to teach them that uh, they can have a relationship with him and trying to cure that sin that causes restlessness. And that's why God says in verse 13 that the point of the Sabbath is, quote, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. God is making them holy, and in part he's doing that by teaching them to rest. Do you see that? Does that make sense? That's why the Sabbath is so important. That's why it's a sign of the covenant. To be in a saving relationship with God is to find rest in him. That's why the Sabbath was so important. Now, how did Israel do at following this law? Not very well. Okay, so they fell into the ditch on both sides of the road here. On the one hand, over and over, The people of Israel would ignore the Sabbath, would just see it as a day to get more work done, to get more trading in, to produce more stuff, to make more money, and the prophets called them out for that. On the other hand, um, they turned the Sabbath into this long list of rules that was burdensome. And so by the time that Jesus came around, To be a really strict, observant Jew, you had these hundreds of commands that you had to follow to not do any work on the Sabbath, including ones like you couldn't light a candle, you couldn't look into a mirror if it was attached to a wall. I'm not sure if you could when it wasn't attached to the wall. You couldn't uh, carry a handkerchief unless it was sewn onto your clothes. So if you wanted to blow your nose on the Sabbath, you better be wearing something that had a handkerchief on it, right? I think there's just so many rules. And and the same is true for many observant Jews today. I, I think it was someone in this church who told me a story of being in New York City on a Saturday. And this man rushes out onto the sidewalk looking all frazzled and says, can you help me? I need someone to help my mother get to synagogue. And um, he, he said, okay, and he followed him up into the building, and there was this old woman in a wheelchair, 
And he said, I, I need to get her out of the building, but I can't. Can you just press the elevator button for me? Because I'm not supposed to do that on Sabbath. Right? It's legalism. That wasn't the spirit of what God was giving them Sabbath for. Here's the question for us. Do we need to observe the Sabbath today? It's in the Ten Commandments, right? Maybe we're missing out on the rest God wants to give us because we're not faithfully following the Sabbath. You know, all of you are here today, so I take it Sunday means something to you. But let's just think about this. Um, You know, this past week, the Supreme Court, I'm not sure if you followed this, the Supreme Court heard arguments in a case that started in 2019 as a lawsuit filed by a postal worker in Pennsylvania who lost his job because he refused to work on Sundays. Um, And so this, the post office argued that it placed an undue burden on the other mail carriers if he didn't work on Sundays. Um, They had this increased volume of mail because of Amazon packages. And so now they had to work on Sundays to get it all done. This man was a strong Roman Catholic, and he said, look, that's the Lord's Day. I'm not going to work that day. I'll work Saturdays. I'll work other shifts during the week, but just not on Sundays. Finally, um, the post office gave him an ultimatum and said, you know, it's either work on Sundays or lose your job. And he said, okay, well, I guess I'm not working here anymore. And then he filed a suit for discrimination. I don't don't know what's going to come in that case, but I I commend this man for holding to his principles. And there are many Christians today, like this man, who believe that we are still bound to follow the Sabbath law. Only for us, it's transferred to Sundays because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Right. So if God commanded us to do that, would you do it? Would you make Sundays the fixed point in your week? That everything else orbited around? Maybe you'd have to change some schedules. Maybe you'd have to make less money. Maybe you'd have to, you know, uh, make accommodations. But would you do it? I think it's really important to think about how we would answer that question. Because if we wouldn't do it, then we probably won't be able to find the rest that we get through Jesus. And and I'm actually here to say, I don't think Christians are bound to keep the Sabbath in the same way that the Jews were. And so let's talk about how Jesus gives us deep and true Sabbath rest. Because this is where it gets really cool in my mind. Okay, so what does it look like for us? Jesus came to fulfill, he said, to fulfill the law, including the Sabbath, the law of the Sabbath. What the Sabbath day was for Israel, Jesus is for us. And the implications of that are vast. So listen to the words that that James read at the beginning of the service that Jesus spoke. He said, Come to me, 
All you who are weary and heavy burdened, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Not this day will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said that, and he meant it for us. He's offering every one of us deep, true, Sabbath kind of rest. Rest for our souls, a cure for the restlessness of our hearts. And we need to to see how Jesus did that, how Jesus could say that. When he died on the cross, do you remember the last words that he, some of the last words he said, he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. What was finished? The work that God gave him to do. The work of our salvation right? He carried our sins to the cross. He took the punishment that we deserve so that we could be in a healed, restored relationship with God. And as he died, he said, it is finished. That means we don't have to work to work off a debt to God, to pay for our sins, to prove our worth, to um, Get ahead because it's finished. Jesus finished that work for us. What day of the week was that? Friday. The next day was Sabbath. And what did Jesus do on that Sabbath? He rested. He worked just like God did at creation. God worked and then he rested. Jesus worked to forgive our sins and on the Sabbath day he rested And what happened the day after? On Sunday morning, the first day of the week, something new is happening, the first day of the week, he walked out of the tomb and inaugurated a brand new creation, a brand new reality that he invites us into, where all time is sacred, right? Every moment is a cathedral in time with Jesus. It's not just one day a week. All time is sacred, and he invites us into his rest, the rest that we lost in the garden. That's how Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. And so it was only natural that his followers uh, started meeting on, on Sundays to worship their risen king. No one had to tell them. God didn't have to say, by the way, you must now meet on Sundays to worship Jesus. <laughs> you see, they, nothing could keep them from meeting together and celebrating what Jesus had done. And so I hope that if you're here today, you're coming out of a sense of joy and not obligation, not keeping a law, not checking a box, but joyfully receiving what Jesus has for you. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. See, Jesus made a new covenant with his blood. And so the sign of the old covenant was the Sabbath. The sign of the new covenant is the Lord's Supper. Jesus' blood has forgiven our sin. About 15 years ago, 
I was with a coworker uh, at a job I worked at at the time um, named Roger. Roger was a Christian man, and he was part of a small church. And he told me that on the upcoming Sunday, they were going to worship, and then they were going to have lunch, and then do some spring cleanup work around their church. And at the time, I thought, huh, how can this man be a true Christian if he's going to work on Sunday afternoon? I had kind of a legalistic understanding of the Sabbath. Um, so I, I asked something to that effect, and I'll never forget his answer. He, he chuckled and said, why would we still keep the law of the Sabbath? Paul says in Colossians 2.16 that the Sabbath was a shadow of what was to come in Christ. And so we have Sabbath rest in Jesus all the time. Right? Jesus is the real thing. The Sabbath was a shadow. So I want to ask you, have you found rest for your soul in Jesus? Have you heard him say to you, come to me? Have you had your sins forgiven, your heart set right with God? You know? That's the invitation some of us might need to hear today. You can pray something like this. Jesus, thank you for doing the work I could never do to pay for my sin. Um, I've tried so hard to, to cure my restlessness, but I can't, so I turn to you and I ask you to receive me and save me. And, and Jesus hears that prayer and he will give you rest. And to all of the others of us, I say, even if you know Jesus and you know that rest for your soul, we need to actually practice living out the rest that we have. So it's easy to say, well, the Sabbath doesn't apply anymore, so I'm just going to do whatever I want every day of the week. And essentially that turns into saying, um, I'm going to just make more money, uh, pack thing, more things into my schedule, and just live the same frantic uh, lives of the people around us. And that doesn't honor God. And so here's, here's what I think we need to do. I, I want to ask you this. How are you choosing to practice the rest that Jesus gives you? Um, if, if Jesus is the fixed point in your life, and if you're coming to him for rest, that will affect your calendar. That will affect your weekly calendar. Right? Um, your, your work, your play, your schedule you will find time to stop. To stop trying to accomplish things, to stop trying to do more things, to get caught up on things. You won't ever be caught up in life. But we need periods of time to stop and cradle ourselves in the rest of Jesus. And that's what I think um, Sundays are a great opportunity to do that. Does it have to be Sunday? I don't think so. Christians have always met on Sunday because they celebrate the resurrection. They, they draw near to Jesus and worship him together. It's no longer a command, but an invitation into rest. 
We take delight in God more consciously. We remember the work God did, Jesus did for us. We enjoy God's creation. We rest uh, together with family. It's a day set apart from the hustle and bustle and the emails and the kids' sports schedules and the phone notifications and the yard work and all the stuff that could just feel like it's pressing in on us the rest of the week. It takes a great deal of faith to say, no, I don't have to do that today because I'm free and Jesus gives me rest. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I invite you to think carefully about how you are making good on the rest that Jesus provides. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a gift God wants to give us. There's an old saying from Scotland where there are many uh, Sabbatarians, many Sabbath-keeping Christians that I think we can mine some wisdom from. It says, A Sunday well spent brings a week of content and strength for the toils of tomorrow. But a Sunday profaned, whatever is gained, is a certain forerunner of sorrow. Now, I'm not saying, again, I'm not saying there's a law that you have to have a Sabbath on Sunday. But, oh, there's wisdom in stopping, in ceasing, in being still and knowing that the Lord is God. In recentering your life on Him, in realizing the world still spins when you're not working, that God has it under control, that He has worked to save you in Christ. He is teaching us how to rest. That restlessness that we feel will never be totally gone until Jesus comes back. But He will come back. In Hebrews 4, I'll leave you with this. Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their work, just as God did from his. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest. Let's learn how to rest now so we know what's to come. Lord, I pray that the rest we have in Christ, the rest for our souls, we would learn how to live out in our minds, in our bodies, in our families, in our schedules. We want uh, our faith in Christ uh, to change us in every way, including our calendars. So we ask for your help as we do this. And we pray that we would not miss out on the gift of rest that you have for us. Teach, teach us each how we can do that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.